0: All of us are on a journey of becoming, a complicated journey in pursuit of truth and deeper knowledge of the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that it can be a painful and difficult journey and far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson and I too am on a journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my journey and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith but it is perhaps one of its greatest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. I'm your host, Josh Patterson, and I am super excited to be here today. We have a great conversation lined up with a person who I can't quite remember when we first met, but it was definitely at least freshman year in high school, maybe a little bit earlier than that, perhaps middle school. But with, me, <laughs> with me today is my buddy, Joey. Joey, how are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing well, except for that wave of nostalgia just hit me with. How are, yeah. you, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm chilling, man. Doing well. And I actually, earlier, I was trying to remember. I was like, man, so Joey's coming on the show. I've known Joey for a while, but I can't quite pinpoint exactly when I first met Joey. Right,
1: like I feel like we had very similar circles of like soccer, faith. And like extreme sports and music, but
0: like <laughs> when did it actually like mesh? I don't know. I have no idea. So what what year did you graduate high school? Were you a year behind me? Yeah,
1: I was 2013.
0: Okay, so you're 2013, I was 2012. So at the very least, we met when I was a sophomore in high school and you were a freshman. But I can't where did you go to middle school? I went to Northwest in Toniko. Okay. Yeah, so you went to Northwest as well. So we probably met each other, there would be my guess. Did you ever do like campus life or wildlife or anything like that when you were in middle school?
1: Uh, I don't know because I had like my own church that I went to at the time that was kind of separate from all that. Okay, So I might have like once or twice, but that's
0: longer than I'd like to admit years ago. So <laughs> Right on. I know it's crazy, right? I'm sitting here and uh, at my current place of employment, I have like 22, 23-year-old uh people working for me and then i sit down and talk to them i'm like holy crap i'm old (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's kind of a bit ridiculous but i don't know but regardless man thank you for agreeing to come and hang out with us or myself i'm still getting used to saying myself uh (laughs) here on the rethinking faith podcast um i'm excited uh, just so listeners can learn a little bit about you. I'm going to ask you a super deep existential question. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Who is Joey Lance?
1: Oh, I was,
0: I was expecting you to bring up the hockey question. Uh, That's coming next. So get ready for it. <laughs>
1: all right. Good. I, I did some homework. Nice. So uh, who am I? Well, uh, at the time of this, I'm 25. Uh, nice graduated a year ago from wadesburg university with a degree in business i uh i work for a company that sells gas-powered fire pits so i'm like sales and stuff i guess and i don't know just your normal dude who works in nine to five and then is a weekend warrior playing rec league soccer on the weekends heck yeah
0: man rec league sports are where it's at <laughs> that's another sign to know that you're getting old when rec league sports on the weekends is like the most exciting thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when I'm stoked for my glorified beer league, something's happening. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly right. Exactly right. And so listeners, um, Joey and I used to play soccer together uh, in high school. Although if I remember correctly, Joey, you were always way better than I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh- and your I name might be
1: better than mine. I don't remember that at all.
0: I kind of rode the bench. That was my shtick, um, which is fine. And then I found ice hockey uh, a few years ago, and it was the thing that I should have been doing all this time. <laughs> and, which leads me to the question that you anticipated Joey, do you have a favorite ice hockey team? I do. I would say uh, the Letterkenny Irish. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs>
1: That's best I got for you. Yes.
0: No, I dig it. The Letter Kenny Irish is a solid answer. Like, very creative. Shows that you, like, have a solid grasp of, like, pop culture and, like, some, like, cult classic TV shows. It shows a little bit of personality. I can respect it. The Letter Kenny Irish. Hell yeah. Yeah. But I know I know you like soccer more. So like yeah. who who's your team? Like who's your favorite soccer team, regardless of the league? Like yeah, so my fun.
1: favorite soccer team is gonna be sporting Kansas City. I got yeah. into them in like 2016, 2017 and just been drank the Kool-Aid ever since. <laughs> right on.
0: Good deal, man. I I feel like whenever someone asks me that question, I just like re- revert back to like a classic default that I had in high school, which is like, oh, probably Manchester United. And then people were like, "Oh man, you, uh, you know, bandwagon jumper, or whatever." I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair because I couldn't name, like, I could maybe name one player on the team currently, but it's like okay. I used to just tell
1: everyone the U.S. national team, which
0: that got pretty much the same answers. So. There. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Well, uh, today, basically, mm-hmm. I, I had an idea for an episode. And I stole it, though. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give a shout out and give credit where credit's due. A a good friend of this podcast, a good friend of mine, uh, Dan Koch, who is the host of the You Have Permission podcast. Listeners, if you have not heard of said podcast, do yourself a favor and go check it out. Uh, But Dan does this segment on his Patreon exclusive episodes called I Don't Believe in That God Either. And essentially what he does is Dan invites on uh, friends or acquaintances of his who are either atheist or agnostic, and they have an open conversation with no set agenda, basically a free form open conversation model um, to try to figure out, okay, tell me about this God that you don't believe in and let's see what similarities we have and try to find some common ground and, and go from there. Um, And so I mean, I don't want to tell your story for you, um, but whenever things first popped off for you, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit, I had this idea, but I was like, hmm, I want to give Joey some time first. And now here we are. And I'm thankful that you've agreed to share some time with me. So thanks, man. I'm excited. Yeah, sure.
1: All right. So, uh, I mean... I guess you want me just to go into like my my faith story like what what do you Yeah, do you so want?
0: let's yeah, so let's start with um just a little bit about uh yourself. So let's start with um prior to uh basically here, let's start with this. What if any role has faith played for you thus far in your 25 years of life experience? So uh that Faith has played a lot of
1: roles for me. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a Christian household, so it was always in that background. had, like, that moral structure that was centered around that. And, of course, in a conservative Christian house, wasn't really taught any other worldviews. Like, I was told they existed, but was really only told about Christianity. And then, I guess, probably, like, I think sixth grade, early middle school, uh, back when twenty-four hour famine uh, or thirty-hour famine were the youth events, we just, for those who don't know, it's your youth pastor makes you not eat for thirty hours, and then you yep. do games and events, <laughs> and it's a way to to uh, draw you closer to God. Uh, which I guess you could argue that it did for me. Uh, that weekend, I did give my life to Christ. At that time, I was like, "This is it." I felt things, and I was like, "This is what I'm going to do." And then, like that was like 06, 07. And then pretty much, like, almost immediately after, it's like, I want to be a youth pastor. So, like, I had, like, faith as, like, this, this backbone to my existence, my morals, my everything. And then I had this, like, drive and this passion of, like, I want to teach this to kids, which was also ironic because I hated kids growing up. I still don't really <laughs> like kids now. Right and So, like, as I got older, my faith, I was like, oh, like, Paul Had his thorn in my side. I guess this is my thorn in my side. I hate kids, but I'm called a teacher or whatever. Uh, see. and then <laughs> so, and pretty much like as soon as I accepted, I was gung ho all about it. I mean, you remember me in high school, I was that obnoxious Christian that like my whole personality was about telling people, I'm a Christian, you should be too, and mm-hmm. I. I was leader of our FCA club fellowship of Christian athletes. So like, which was a, I mean, I, I loved it. B it was also like helping me become youth pastor and all that fun stuff. And it, it did, it was helpful in my time, like hindsight 2020, I kind of rag on it, but it was very, very good for me at that time. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm kind of like, just going to the real quick this, I don't want this whole podcast to be about my face and, all my story, but, uh, long story short, uh, as I got older in my faith, uh, I started realizing just things weren't working out or weren't what I seemed. I started having questions or just things were happening. And I was like, am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) uh, But yeah, I just started to realize like how, just how like fucked up things were in the church or just in life in general. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of just gave me more questions and answers. And there were just a lot more times in life that I didn't have answers when I needed them and had an absence of that feeling of that relationship that I used to have. And there was a a scandal in my church that rocked the church and uh, wrecked me basically
0: Joey I lost you. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Making a note that I lost off. Ah. Great. So I have no idea what happened.
1: <laughs> All right, so but we are still recording.
0: We are still recording, so I don't know if it it saved everything or not. So what we'll do is we'll just continue where we left off and then in the future, once Marty goes to edit this, if it didn't capture the previous things then we can just re-record the beginning bit and splice it in
1: Is that sounds something? good
0: okay cool so basically where it lost off left off was um i started having questions i realized that there's a bunch of fucked up stuff and basically you know maybe pick up where you said there was a scandal in the church that really rocked you know yeah right yeah
1: yeah, so there was that scandal in my church. Uh, youth pastor uh, had an affair with a uh, minor that just sucked. Because uh, he was almost like a father figure, just some of my friends and I. So just like losing that. And then also our church's reaction to that was god awful. They were just so focused on his redemption. His like, how can we help him? Like, And they just like totally shat on the victim and the victim was a good friend of mine i'm still friends with them and just like as i've gotten older just hearing how absolutely shitty they were to her and just like no one cared for her no one checked in on her except for one or two people those who did got shunned and then her friends that weren't even part of the scandal they got shunned and that was that sucked and then just also so that's the back of my mind but i was still like you know like still church boy god is good Whatever. And uh so about a little after that I was working with the middle school youth group in our church. And then during the summers we would go to Ohio and work at the summer camp where I was teaching Jesus In the outdoors to some inner city Cleveland kids, which was pretty cool. Like looking back on it, it was really a cool experience. Yeah. I'm and definitely. so like and it just it was a mixture of just like having more questions and answers, seeing how fucked up things were and just getting just so burnt out. Because at that point I was like, uh, I guess 22-ish, 21, 20-ish. So I'd been gung-ho about youth ministry for about a decade, which was crazy at 20, 21 years old. Right, But like, <laughs> yeah, like I was so about it growing up. And like, I did not turn that switch off. I was just, you know, totally sold out, bought into the cause. And I just got burnt out. Uh, I wasn't in a place where I was getting uh, fed the spiritual terms, I guess you will. I was just constantly outpouring into these groups, not receiving. On top of, you know, everything I've already mentioned. And plus, there was a summer camp I went to that was basically a cult in, in Colorado. But again, that's that's a story you and I can share over some drinks. Uh, crap it is for me. But uh, so then my last summer working at summer camp, it was the first week of having kids and we were doing some like night activity or we basically we were taking a hike and there was like a bit where like aren't right, you all to be quiet and just meditate or pray or just whatever and I was in the back because I'm just super tight being laid back so I was just like I'll stay in the back no one goes behind me and just that way also I do deal with kids you could just walk in the, in the woods at night and uh just out of the blue something just just like dude you don't believe this and I was like holy shit you're right I don't like <laughs> And this is this is my third summer at this camp. I'm basically the head counselor. I do chapel once or twice a week. And so I couldn't really speak up and be like, hey, I'm having these doubts, I'm having these concerns, I don't know if I believe, really I don't know if I'm a Christian. Like I could have mentioned that, but like I hate inconven- inconveniencing people. And like they had pl- Planned summer camp around like me doing the lessons these nights or me doing these activities. And I was like, well, I don't want to put that on somebody else. And so I just kind of sucked it up and and did the rest of the camp. Uh, And I did mention it to my mom one weekend. I called her crying my eyes out because everything I knew the past 11 years or so, I was like, don't think I believe this. And now I'm lying to kids about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which I mean, I lied to them about other things, but it's different when you're lying (laughs) to them about something you're telling the base of life off of right right and see so, yeah, and I got back from camp and my mom was really supportive but she was like can you get through camp and I was like yeah she's like just get through and we'll address it when you get back and her and I didn't really address it, but it was more of just kind of me and my accountability buddies or whatever you want to call them just uh friends and uh the reception I got was pretty mixed like my okay. friends that I'm still friends with to this day were super cool with it, super supportive and super like, hey, find yourself and we love you. And then there's some people that I don't talk to anymore that uh weren't supportive. I won't name names. Uh sure. not they probably they don't listen to your podcast now on the probably not. When not. You just to, <laughs> probably just not they, he's a terrible person. But that's that's aside the point. Um uh, but so it was just I wasn't getting fed, I wasn't getting loved by those who like were held so high by my church. And like our church was like, oh, like these are like, in no way were they saying like these are the good Christians, like they had like that authority, that position, like the family standing or whatever. And it's like, well, they're kind of shitting on me. Why would I want to be a part of this? And so I just was kind of like, whatever, I'm done. And I guess like to come full circle, I don't know if I'm agnostic or atheist per se, because honestly, I don't care. I just, I spent so long hyper fixated on my life is nothing but christianity now i'm like i don't give a shit like is there something out there maybe does the presence of a almighty being change uh if i let someone in front of me in traffic no i'm gonna let them in front of me if i'm a good person or if i'm pissed off i won't but you know it's traffic <laughs> yeah uh, so
0: that's kind of 25 years and a few minutes yeah well dude first off thank you just for your openness and honesty i really appreciate it. i know Um, especially when it comes to spiritual matters, it can be difficult to, uh, share past experiences, especially past hurts. Um, and I mean, just coming from somebody who, uh, went from being a pastor to working in a bar, (laughs) that's (laughs) what I do. That's what I do now. I don't know, uh, if you knew that, but I'm, I'm a GM of a brewery here in Maryland now. Um, dude, don't call it a glow up, but it is. Yeah. Right on. So like, I, I get it. Um, I mean, I've I've had similar experiences, and I know they can be difficult to talk about. So, thank you for uh, for sharing. And I do I do have a few questions for you. Just I made some notes when you were speaking. The first one that I wanted to to ask you was really like this is an ultimate test. Are you ready for this? So, when Underoath came out with the album Erase Me, yes, and Aaron said the word fuck on the song titled On My Teeth. What was your reaction to this event?
1: Yes, so (laughs) I was on the tail end of my uh, downward spiral out of faith, but I still consider myself a Christian, Uh, still loosely practiced. And I was also still very much in Christian circles. Sure. And so I listened to the song. I was like, it's all right. Like, it's under it. So I'm predisposed to like it. But I didn't think it was anything special. But then, like... This online group chat I was in that's called Double Pedal Jesus Metal, so
0: um, <laughs> that's exactly what we're
1: that. they're all about. Although <laughs> right uh, my nickname in the chat now is Redacted because it's Double Pedal Redacted Metal. Nice. <laughs> so, but so some of them in the chat were very against it, and they're just like, "What the heck?" Like, or just like, just we're not supportive and really cast that whole album in a down, like a, a bad light. So, like I had that on my teeth pun intended uh and I was just like yeah like that kind of sucks and then as I got older and like in those first few months of being like leaving the faith you're very cagey and very like fuck that and so I started listening to that song more and I was like hell yeah like I loved it and then I listened to the whole album and I was like damn this is a good album like why did my online friends like persuade me to not listen to it and then like I'm not sure how much you know Under Earth's story and, like, uh, Spencer's, like, cocaine addiction problem, but, mm-hmm. like, On My Teeth just, like, is a great story of, like, how the Christian music industry just shat on them for, like, their problems and and them trying to go through life. So as I got older, I was like, this song's super relatable.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Aaron's awesome, dude. Aaron is somebody who I aspire to have on the podcast at some point in time, so.
1: Dude, that'd be huge
0: side note while we're talking about metal did you yeah. ever remember a band as hell retreats as hell retreats i'm not quite sure
1: they never they never got super big okay but they have a song called shun which shun. i okay. highly recommend it's it part of their it's part of their album matriarch which like it's cool because the whole album is one continuous story and it's about this kid who's a over the church and then his mom dies and it's like him trying to figure out, like, if God is real, what's going on, and the song Shun is about him going to his pastor and, like, expressing his doubts, his disbeliefs, his concerns, and his pastor just pretty much just shunning him, I think there's a line like, take your little faith out of my walls, I've had enough, and... I always liked that song even as a Christian because they were a Christian band and I always liked it because it was just a heavy, good song. But then like, as I got older and after my accountability buddy shit on me, one day I was running and I was listening to that song because you listen to angry music when you are running, at least I do. And I just, that song hit me. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, I know I love this song, but like these words mean so much more to me now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, dude, that that's crazy. That is similar to like an experience I had recently uh, there's a comedian that I like named Bo Burnham, and I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to admit that I like Bo Burnham. Um, but he has a comedy special called Make Happy. and I don't know I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar or not, but basically the his whole like backing theme or idea behind that is him wrestling with his depression. and he's like, I'm a comedian. And I have this great depression I'm dealing with, but like my whole job is to make people happy. And so it's called Mm -hmm. Make Happy. And at the very end of the special, um, he brings the house lights up and he kind of kneels down on stage, like microphone. And he basically says something along the lines of, my job is to get up here and offer you people something that I can't even offer myself, but I hope you're happy. And he drops the mic and he walks off the stage. That's how the special ends. And I had seen that a while ago, but I watched that special again, maybe two weeks ago. And when I heard those words, like I lost it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I started bawling. I was like done. I was home by myself (laughs) in the dark. My (laughs) wife was on vacation and I just lost it, man. But it's because though that was the like he summarized for me the exact feeling that I had as a pastor mm. that I am here on this stage trying to give people something that I can't even give myself, um, and so it just reminds me of that that story you just shared with the the song. It's a slightly yeah. different, but it's still within the same vein.
1: And that's I'm, I've seen a bunch of memes about that, and my roommate loves it, so I'll, I'll definitely need to check that out.
0: It's worth checking out. Yeah. And like his new one, which is called Inside, is super dark and depressing, but it's brilliant. So like find a day where you're very happy (laughs) (laughs) and then watch it and then do something happy afterwards.
1: (laughs) I thought I'd like embrace it, like turn the lights out, get a pint of ice cream and just cry. Ah,
0: There you go. cry into the pint of ice cream. That might even be a better way to experience. Sweet. All right. Well, I'll I'll try to bring us back on track here. Um, (laughs) Just another question that I had is like, so you, you mentioned growing up in a Christian home. Uh, Was this kind of always the case? Like, as far as you can remember, were your parents uh, Christians or was that something that developed later on in your life? Yeah.
1: So that um, my mom was always a Christian Uh, when I was growing up, I was always like, she's my spiritual rock. And she was, has always been very firm in her faith my dad uh now that i'm older i've realized he never was a christian like he never went to church but he's like he would pick up my sister and i from church which was great because like we have sunday school and then my my mom would go to church afterwards so we had like one less hour of church it was dope uh (laughs) and then yeah so my dad never was and like that was also you know my high school uh dogmatic faith I like, I need to convert my dad, so, like, I'd, like, always try to bring up Christianity to him, and he was very receptive, I mean, he enjoyed talking to his son, so he'd give me the time of day and listen to me, and he went to church a few times, and, like, at my old church, he went, he started going pretty regularly when it wasn't golf season, so, like, that was, like, a, a big deal for me, and then when we switched churches, he didn't really like that one as much, so he didn't come except for, like, occasional holidays, but, And it was was really always my mom. And then I'm sure you know about my sister for those listeners. Uh, So growing up, uh, my sibling was assigned male at birth. And uh, towards, they're two years older than me. So towards middle high school of them, late middle school, early high school for me, they came out as a gay man. And I was like peak uh, dogmatic Christian. And so... And also my sister has now identified as a trans woman. So just for clarity, referring past tense, but my sister now. But um, so when they came out as a gay man, uh, we just butted heads and there's, it tore our relationship apart for more years than I'm willing to admit. Well, I can't admit, I just don't really remember, Uh, but because... I mean, also we were just in very uh, developmental points of our lives, sure. early adolescent, late adolescence. So we both had a lot of growing to do, but I was just such a shitty person to her. Like huh. I, I don't, I have a terrible memory between two concussions and my mechanism of blocking things out. I forget most things, but my sister, like her and I are super tight now. Like we yep. have made amends. She's forgiven me. Uh, love her to death. We're great. But, like, in that process of healing, like, she let me know some of the things I said. I'm just like, how the fuck was I okay with saying that? Like, sure. why, how was I so blinded by faith that I couldn't love my sister? Like, mm. so very thankful that I was out of the faith and she came out as a, as a trans woman because heaven knows how I would have handled that.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> as you're talking, I have a memory. Uh, one of the only memories I have uh, with your sister is um when we were in middle school, uh, cause she is, I believe a year older than me. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we were in middle school, uh we did a play together <laughs> called once on this Island and she played the God of like water or whatever, if I remember correctly. And like, That was so much fun. (laughs) But that's like, that's like the most, that's the first thing that came to mind was like (coughs) doing that musical uh, with your sister. And I I don't have much else outside of that. Um,
1: I forgot you did the musical. So there's that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool, man. Well, I'm like super glad to hear that amends have been made and that things are headed, you know, that are, they're in a much more positive space. It's crazy. and it's 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 great to hear, man. And like, just like to be hundred percent honest with you, um, so listeners, if you don't already know this about me, I have uh, one brother who is gay, and I have another brother who is pansexual. Um, and like, it was at first, it was it was easy for me to grasp the concept of homosexuality, but I always had a really hard time getting my head around uh, the whole trans thing, um, and that started to shift for me, um, a little while ago, I'm, I'm speaking past tense here, but then one of the things that like most recently rocked my world, Joey was, uh, there's a podcast called trans regret Snoopy presents the Bible. <laughs> there's okay. there's a podcast named for you. And, uh, the host of this show, um, is fantastic. Uh, I have been texting with her for a little while now. I actually had the privilege of being a guest on her podcast and she's going yes, to come dude. on my podcast. And the, I first encountered uh, her because my buddy Dan did an episode with her and Dan uh, talked about having this like genuine spiritual experience um, while engaging with Transregret regret Snoopy uh, who uses that, uh, like surname or whatever. Uh, she still remains anonymous. Um, and when I had a conversation with her, it was like the most fun I had talking about the Bible in like years. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so like that really did something to me, like made some major shifts uh, in me. And I was like very nervous at first because I was like, well, what if I say the wrong thing or or use the wrong pronoun or something like that? And just the grace that she um, exhibited to me and continues to exhibit to me is like, she lets me like ask her questions and she's willing to be like, you know, that's not the best thing to say, you know, try saying it this way or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just been such a positive experience in my life um, that I'm forever grateful for. And I know that she listens to the podcast. So Trans Snoopy, you are the shit. And In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. You're the best. (laughs) So thank you for being you. Um, But let's see. Questions. I guess one more thing I'd want to ask is just growing up um, in the kind of space that you did, did you ever feel like you were in an environment where asking questions and having doubts and things like that were either acceptable, welcomed, or appropriate? Uh
1: so it's weird because I I don't remember them necessarily being like welcomed, but at the same time I don't ever recall them being like discouraged. It was kind of just like a figured out. And also I was always considered like very spiritually mature for my age. So like I remember like in high school I was in this one college Bible study at my old church, and they were all just like, yeah, no, you're cool, you can hang. And uh, I was also, I mean, you remember I'm all obviously I'm the way I am for those listeners. They don't have the the visual of me. I'm a white dude with dreads and tattoos who listens <laughs> to death metal. So, I've always been a very alternative style, alternative minded person. And uh, with that, with my faith, I was also the same way. So my first few tattoos are very uh, Christian based. like they're crosses, so like I can still have them as an atheist. Uh, and I also listen to Christian metal, which you know church heads hated that uh, like I would just get stares walking into my church because I'd wear like soccer t-shirts or like lax pennies soccer shorts and maybe shoes and then tattoos be hanging long hair flowing and like the church people maybe hated shoes. that yeah I had a weird face but I worked through that but so uh with that like being alternative style alternative minded I did kind of question a lot but then with that I took that like spiritual maturity and would like start finding answers or like finding interpretations. Like I remember uh, someone asked me like, you have long hair, but like, there's a passage in Corinthians, like it's a, a, sh- a sin for men to have long hair. Um, am paraphrasing. I haven't needed that verse in years, but uh, I did some research on it and like a few weeks later came back and was like, Hey, uh, the ancient Greek for that is basically describes the context of men having long hair were doing it to trick other men into thinking they were women and then taking advantage of them that way. That is not what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh I was, like so like things like that. I was like finding uh just ways to apply the scripture to these alternative things and like for the most part I didn't really get much blowback. I did uh make some spiritual arguments why it was okay to, to swear. And uh they were. Uh, depending on the demograph, like my friends thought it was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> outside of that, not so much. Sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, dude, I'm with you. That has always been what I used to consider one of my vices, but I've since moved on from that understanding. But yeah, swearing has always been in my vocabulary. <laughs> 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 um, But then, so I guess the the final thing I'll ask, and then we'll move on and and we'll get to the the whole bit about like, Let's talk about the gods you don't believe in. Um, and you've mentioned briefly about this, but like how has the support been uh, from your parents, maybe even more specifically from your mom, uh, ever since you kind of had that phone conversation, like, hey, look, I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't think I believe this stuff. Like how how has that been?
1: Yeah, so my mom's a gem. Uh, she like... We know she never really really like sat me down. and was like, what's going on? But she did make it a point. Like when I got home that summer, we did kind of discuss it. And it was more of just like she gave me the, the floor, the space. I kind of aired what I needed to air. And she was accepting. It was like in no way was trying to um persuade me or, or win me back, but was just was would just listen and has really just kind of kept that stance. Like she is still very firm in her belief, is still very. Like that's not going to change, and um, uh, it's it's working for her. So I commend her for that. And also, like, she's has progressed and she's grown as well. Like, she's incredibly loving and welcoming of my sister. Um, okay. She is like, I'm not sure if my sister and I have just like worn her down to things. but like we cuss around her. Uh, we we can talk about like our sex escapades or things around her. And, like, <laughs> she's much more open and and receptive than she was. So like it's like, she's never been much of like the, just the randomly text me like, Hey, like I support you. I love you in this. She has told me that, but like, it's not like an ongoing thing. Like, you know, like when your friends would do, but she like, it's more like just, she's been there and I know she's there.
0: Mm. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm like, that is super encouraging to hear. Cause I know so many people like listeners included, um, who like, that's hasn't been their experience. And so like, I love that you said your mom is a gem. That's a great way of putting it. Hey, Mama uh,
1: Lance is a sweetheart. She makes some questionable decisions here and there, but she
0: doesn't. Sure. Right. We all do. <laughs> but I just, I don't know, man, that's, that's just so encouraging. Cause I know, I mean, I just know so many stories of people who have had a very similar experience to yours or to your sisters. And it's just been the complete opposite, like total shunning and written off. And like, you're not like completely like disowned, like you're not in the family anymore. You're going to hell. Like, you know, I can't believe it, blah, 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 kind of stuff. So like, it's just so encouraging to hear a story uh, where that hasn't been your experience.
1: Yeah. I, I was very fortunate. I think honestly, my dad being a non-believer, yeah. she was probably like just used to coexisting. So that definitely <laughs> probably helped me.
0: Yeah. not straight out right on. Well, shout out to mama Lance. Uh, <laughs> good deal. Well, dude, I think, um, now that we have the background and some of the context, uh, which again, thank you so much for sharing. I know, you know, you're coming on a podcast and uh, it, talking to people that you've never met before. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi, Marty. First time yeah, meeting you. Right on. Hell yeah, Marty. What's up, man? <laughs> Shout out, <laughs> Marty. Shout out, Mama Lance. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, that it, it's, it's uh, a cool thing. But I think what would be interesting is like, well, hmm, where do I want to go? All right, I'm going to skip that. Sorry, ADHD brain. Um, <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump in. If I don't know if this is too broad of a question, but can you do your best to describe or start describing the God that you don't believe in, and then I will uh, interrupt you or interject uh, if I have. Any thoughts or opinions. Does that sound fair?
1: Yeah, that works.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. So let's let's go there. Let's let's start talking about the God that you don't believe in.
1: Uh well, first off, he's not white. Um <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, shocker, I know. Uh, I, I it was great talking, Josh. I'll head out. Yeah,
0: was... good. Mic dropped, Joey's out. <laughs> Deuces. yeah uh, uh, End of episode. Right. New name. Yeah. God isn't white.
1: <laughs> but uh, all right, so on a serious note, uh I don't know if I necessarily have like this preconceived notion of, like, what God I don't believe in. Okay. Uh, Just because I haven't really, like, as soon as I, as soon as I, like, made the decision of, like, I'm done with this, which was, like, a year-long process because indoctrination is a bitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But once, like, it was done for me, it was done, and I really don't put any energy into the faith except for making fun of it with my friends. Uh, Fair enough. Which, that's millennials' way of healing. Uh, Yep, it's true. (laughs) But... So I I can't give you like a I don't believe in a God like this, but I can tell you what turned me away or what disgusted me about this Christianity and God, if that would best answer your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Like maybe. Yeah, exactly. That I think that would be helpful and especially too, because then that would point out um, at least implicitly that would point out like here's kind of the picture of God that I was presented with that mm-hmm. has caused you know this disgust and that i'm not on board with so i think that could be very helpful
1: all right so uh i have no order no plan uh no, but you're good i'll just start thinking of, of things it's luckily great. i was in the church long enough i have plenty of shit so uh how
0: yeah trust me i know <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I can't even imagine i know you told me some stuff but uh so i touched on earlier i went to this camp in colorado that Mm -hmm. I refer to as a cult.
0: Uh, Did you ever do anything with Dare to Share? I never did anything with Dare to Share because I was, although I was like super into like, I'm a Christian and I'm going to put it in your face and like down with the whole evangelizing thing, I was always scared or embarrassed to like Mm -hmm. try to share. Like I was one of those like bad Christians who like wouldn't do that because I was, you know, too wimpy or something, I don't know
1: it's always amusing what people call bad
0: christians but
1: (laughs) anywho so uh i mean i'm
0: gonna
1: start talking shit on dare to share uh sorry if you're listening but hop off uh so dare to share for if you don't know is all about evangelize i can never say right uh evangelizing to your friends uh and so it's funny i never actually went to a dare to share event like uh, they always had those, like they went on tour, went to different cities and stuff. And I never went to one of those. But Dare to Share had a one-week event in Colorado called Lead the Cause. And so the difference between the two was Dare to Share was pretty much anyone goes, uh, your church signs up, or you sign up and, and you go. Really, only requirements are so you pay the money and are can pretend to be a Christian uh now lead the cause was essentially dare to share on steroids i think they actually use that as a marketing phrase and uh (laughs) so it dare to share was like a weekend at most this was a week and it was like super uh theological driven uh like you're spending all day every day either listening to these uh, spiritual leaders talk about the faith and how to share it and then uh then like Trying to equip you with how to share it to where you go, uh, but anywho, with it being in Colorado, it was near. Uh, it was about an hour away from uh, Littleton, Colorado, where the Columbine shooting happened. Oh, wow. And of course, uh, with everything Christian, they always have just the craziest connections. And so that camp, like, partnered did like had this connection with Col- with Columbine. So like a few days into camp. They start like really like going into detail what like what happened to Columbine and the psyche of the the two uh, kids that, that committed the crimes and naturally it's putting the whole Christian spin on it like which is totally not true. I'm not sure if you ever listened to the last podcast on the left, but they do a really good job. It's like diving the detail of Columbine and how faith had nothing to do with it and Christianity has hijacked it. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the camp that I went to fully hijacked that they like to the point they would take us to Columbine after showing us the videos of the things happening walk us through the room so like we literally walked through the cafeteria that two hours before we saw a video of of kids with their machine guns walking through and they fucking weaponized Columbine and they're like don't let this happen at your school like don't be the reason this happens at Francis Scott Key or whatever high school you go to and like you have to like walk in circles around the school and pray and, and think about your school and what can you and like they, they hijack it and totally weaponize it. And like of course when I was younger, I was like, yeah, like this is
0: I can never let this happen. Now looking back, I'm like, that's fucked up. Like you're- dude, that is straight up emotional and spiritual abuse. Like there's I guarantee you, there's genuine trauma that was done to you and to other people that participated in said event. That I mean, your word is perfect. That's fucked, man. I'm sorry that that was a real thing. That's yeah, insane. Yeah, and it's like only a few years ago at most, and not even a few
1: years ago. Probably a year or two at most. That I like, it just hit me one day of like, holy shit, that was really fucked. Like, that's I kind of crazy. A bra- yeah, <laughs> like. So I guess like to bring that back to the point of just uh, Christianity being weaponized like Mm -hmm. jesus was a pacifist in no way like uh, like that disgusted me of the faith uh so that i guess you could say that god is a weapon is something i don't believe in which is funny because you know the word is a double-edged sword Well, it's also a bouquet of flowers if you read it right Um, (laughs) there uh, you go
0: yeah uh, so fear fear that sounds like fear-based religion yes yes yeah okay So did that, was there, is there any like through line or connection for you for like shit like that? And then the use of like weaponizing a concept like eternal conscious torment in hell as like a control tactic, like was hell ever an issue for you? So uh,
1: I don't think so. Okay. Because it was so normalized to me because, you know, most of my life I was saved and thought I was good. So it didn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that fear wasn't controlling me it was more of like how can i prevent that from other people sure so i didn't have that fear looming over me uh which i guess i was fortunate enough but like yeah. again growing older and just realizing like how much uh christianity really pulls on fear and just like dude no like whatever happened to like jesus calming the is like no, fear is fear is not produced genuine faith. Fear doesn't produce genuine anything. It produces a
0: fight or flight. Like it's not not yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I'm with you. Like, I mean, what happened to the for I've not given you a spirit of fear? <laughs> True. You know. Uh so I'm with you. There, so we have a we have a similar there's a similarity there. It's like we're we're on the same page there. Like fear driven or fear-based religion or anything is just not does not fly.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: That anecdotally for myself, one of the biggest issues that I had to get over when I was considering stepping away from full-time vocational ministry was purely fear-based. And it took me eight months with a spiritual director to get over this. Um, I assumed that if I stepped away from vocational ministry, that it was a middle finger to God and that God was going to hate me. Not love me anymore. I was very fear-driven. I had this this fear of a wrathful, angry deity that was gonna like smite me the second I quit.
1: <laughs> now, when you were going through that, obviously there's there eight months. Yeah. Did it feel like you were kind of? Because I'm I'm guessing while you were wrestling that you were still kind of pursuing ministry and still in ministry
0: i was working full-time in a church as a pastor while dealing with this so yes (laughs) all right so now when you were doing that did
1: it feel like you were kind of just going through the motions or like doing it just to do it not necessarily because you had that passion or a calling you were just doing it because that's what you were supposed to do
0: exactly right yeah i I was a pastor because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do because other people told me that's what I was supposed to do. Um, I bought into that. I tied my identity. This was the biggest thing. I tied my identity to the concept of Josh as a pastor, Mm -hmm. linked linked the two. Josh as a pastor was my identity. When really I had to uh, differentiate between that and say, no, the core of who Josh is, is not pastor pastor Mm -hmm. is a stream that I can step into it's a hat I can put on but that's not who I am and I had to basically discover and figure out who I was and differentiate that and separate the two so I wasn't finding my worth my identity all those things in Josh as a pastor like so that was a big separation that had to happen and again it took eight months <laughs> with yeah. a spiritual director who is wonderful <laughs> she is fantastic Sid Squaw is the bee's knees shout out to Sid shout out to Sid
1: but because I asked that just because like that was another thing for me and leaving the faith yeah. I've always been very intentional like growing up and even kind of now like I still hate doing things without a purpose sure. or at least I mean now as an adult who works a nine to five, I'm pretty okay with routines and and just doing things that do them, but that's my job. I'm getting paid for it. Not necessarily my faith or things like that, but so like me leaving the faith. So the first thing I stopped doing was I stopped working at the middle school youth group. Okay. Uh, and it was a mixture of a few things, again, getting kind of burnt out, uh, not liking kids. It was like my fourth or so year doing it. And I just like wasn't connecting with the kids as much as I used to because middle schoolers are rough, I guess. Uh, And like I just wasn't enjoying it at all. And it just again, it felt like it was just something I was doing. Like, all right, it's Wednesday, gotta go to the church, hang out with these kids, maybe make a connection. And like so, and luckily I was also like had a job at that time too. And I was working at a gym, and they kind of switched schedules around. I started doing Wednesdays, and I was. It's kind of sporadic but I, was, I kind of just took that as like a sign like I'm gonna step away from the youth ministry and luckily like the the dude who's in charge of that Jeremy uh job. did you ever meet Jeremy Rupp? yep I have solid dude he was super cool with him he's like hey man like do you he he was cool with me stepping away like I I I, I might have actually I don't even think I saw the school year I think I just left in the middle of it or like around like a winter break or something sure man. and like so, like, that was kind of the first to go because I was like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm just doing it. And then the next thing to go was going to church on Sundays because uh, I like sleep, as <laughs> he doesn't? But then I was also like, I don't enjoy it. I, be- I zone out and I have trouble paying attention. I'm not getting anything from it. I'm just, I'm literally waking up because I have to and going because I have to and, like there's no point in this. So I stopped doing that. And then it was just like a slow gradual of like many months of me going like, there's nothing of this for me. And just kind of being like, I'm doing this just to do it. And then, being like, okay, well, if I'm doing it to do it, my heart isn't in it. My heart isn't in it. God doesn't want it. And so, because even like throughout my whole downward spiral, I was still a very like, I mean, I was super read of the Bible. So like, I knew all these scriptures can pull them out of my butt. So I was like,
0: all right, uh-huh. God doesn't want lukewarm shit. So uh, I'll step out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk, man. Cause I had a very similar experience um, just, but from a pastoral standpoint, um, especially because I felt like I couldn't, uh, although, to the credit of the last church that I worked at, to their credit, they knew about this podcast, they supported this podcast, they allowed me to think outside the box, ask questions, all these kind of things, but I still, there was still a ceiling, there was still a cap on where those questions could lead, and I felt like I had to get up and I couldn't be fully honest with uh, the students that I was teaching or when I would preach in main service on sundays like that i couldn't fully uh be authentic and genuine and like that's my whole thing like i'm you know super not super famous maybe infamous for oversharing you know for giving people too much information that they don't want to know like we go to (laughs) dinner at a restaurant and i talk to the waiter or waitress and my wife is like josh why the hell did you tell them that (laughs) like they don't care they don't they don't need to know this So like I had a very similar experience. Um, And then I just started to feel like a fraud or like a fake or something like that. And for me, it wasn't ever, um, I, so for me, basically the easiest way I can describe it to you is I don't know what the hell I believe. Um, On good days, I could maybe answer that question. But I have, uh, I separate the idea of belief and faith Mm-hmm. Uh, belief for me is an intellectual ascent here's doctrines here's blah 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 whatever and i don't know exactly what i believe um on good days like i said i could probably articulate something for you uh, but my faith has never wavered and my faith though is based on uh, a deeper sense of knowing and experiential knowledge that i have to uh, reject experience in my life to dismiss basically so my experiential knowledge of what i call god um is really the thing that i tend to cling to and then also um the i found that when i take and apply the teachings of this guy they call jesus in my life um that like shit works out like good things happen when i follow in this way of jesus so for me I would call myself a Jesus follower who on a bad day is agnostic at best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on a good day is like, no, like I've had this experiential knowledge of this something bigger than myself. Um, and that's kind of where I find myself currently. But I, I'm i interested to hear from you if like, if what's commonly called in philosophy, the problem of evil if that ever became an issue for you um, in your own questioning and thoughts. And so that basically the idea of the problem of evil is like, if God is all good and God is all powerful, then why does God allow uh, the Holocaust? Why does God allow my best friend to um, not to get super extreme, but like, why does God allow my best friend to get raped or to experience these really tragic things? And then people wrestle and they're like, well, if God's either all powerful and he's not all loving or God is all loving and he's not all powerful, like that's the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. Was that ever something that kind of like threw a wrench into things for you?
1: So yes and no. Uh, it was never something I wrestled with when I was younger. because My life was gravy. Like it was... like i mean hindsight's 2020 as you get older you realize you have a father figure not present but when you're younger you think your dad's great like things like that right but uh so when i was younger no and then i was just so gung-ho about my faith i was just like i would pull the the christian bullshit answer like uh no everything happens for a reason god is (laughs) like he'll never give you more than you can handle and jeremiah 29 11 and, and all that uh stuff with zero empathy I would just pull that regurgitate that and uh would just constantly use that and like even looking back like one of my best friends his sister died of cancer at he's super young mm. and I remember like I found that out when he shared that at an FCA event and like like looking back on it he was I had the same like indoctrination of like this would happen for a reason like God is using this and like now we're both older we're like, no, that's fucked. Like, if God is loving, why would this happen to, like, a fucking five-year-old who is innocent? And Like, uh, so like, as I've gotten older and in, like, that uh, transition out of faith, it is something that I wouldn't necessarily say I struggled with because I was just so indifferent to faith at that time. I was kind of like, yeah, that's an issue. Add that to the list.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. Because I know, so I know just statistically, like, the problem of evil is one of the number one driving Uh, factors that people give for um, stepping away from a faith community, whether it's Christian, you know, Islam, Judaism, whatever, uh, because there's like this problem reconciling the two. And like, for me, that, that question itself, like the problem of evil is one of the primary driving factors that started uh, pushing me into what's called like open and relational theology or process thought. And if I hadn't found open and relational theology um, and specifically the work of a gentleman named Thomas J. Ord, who teaches this thing called essential kenosis, um, like I don't know where I would be today. And I'm not sure that that, that perspective or that thought is correct, you know, in air quotes, um, but it at least helped give me some answers to questions I was asking. Um, and And basically what that means is like, Essential kenosis is the idea that the very essence of God is love. And so God is necessarily loving. And what that means is um, if God is necessarily loving, there are going to be things that God can't do because it goes against God's nature. If God's nature, if God's essence is love, then there are going to be things God can't do. For example, God cannot control or coerce human beings or anything for that matter, because neither one of us would sit here and say that uh, controlling somebody or coercing somebody is a loving thing to do, right? And so we apply that to the concept of God. And so then when there's things like the Holocaust, we have some Christians, let's say the you know Calvinists who say God plans everything, preordains everything. The Holocaust was planned. God ordained it for God's glory. Like, first off, no, ditch that idea. And then you have the answer that I found helpful for a while, which was like, well, God doesn't plan those things. People have free will and God allows people to do bad stuff. I was like, nope, that doesn't sound good either. Because if you and I, Joey, if we decided to go out and we were at a swimming pool and you and I witnessed somebody take a little girl and plunge her head under the water and drown her, if you and I genuinely had the ability to stop said event from happening and we didn't, nobody would say, wow, Josh and Joey are so wonderful. They are loving, (laughs) they're great people. We would go to jail (laughs) for not (laughs) preventing something that we could. Um, or at the very least, we'd be considered morally you know, shit people for not preventing genuine evil. So mm-hmm. why do we think that God gets off the hook for, quote unquote, allowing evil? That, for me, was like God is morally culpable. So within the realms of open relational theology, and specifically at Central Kenosis, if God is loving and by nature cannot coerce or control people or anything, then God cannot prevent genuine evil single-handedly, and so for me, that idea uh, started me down this trajectory where now I'm, you know, fully embraced open relational theology, borderline process theology, which is a whole another conversation we don't have to get into. Um, <laughs> but like that was something for me that helped answer some of these questions like the problem of evil um and like if i didn't encounter those thoughts and ideas um i don't know where i would be today like Mm -hmm. i really don't so those
1: are those are really interesting like i I wonder had i encountered that earlier how it'd be how it'd be different if i'd still be associated with faith because my thing like i guess to keep it moving forward sure. is just another thing for me of, uh, what turned me off or disgusted me from God is just how like blindly I followed Christianity. Sure. And like, it was very much almost a cult of personality of like whatever they said, yeah, I'm doing it too. And like, not even like, not just doing it, I'm doing it to a hundred percent. I don't give a whole hundred percent. What's the point? Like, you know, Colossians three 23 of like everything due for the Lord. So like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, uh, pretend bad things happen for whatever reason, because God, like, uh, I remember I had one idea of, cause I, again, uh, when I worked at the youth ministry, we had one night where we did a, a game, I guess a game called stump leader where oh, we nice. give the kids two weeks to write theological questions. And then uh, it was announced, like what day we were doing this. And then that day we'd have like a panel of me and the other leaders up front and we'd go through all their questions and answer them. And I'm pretty sure that question did get brought up. Uh, just like, why do bad things happen? Uh, and I don't know if I answered that, but I do remember an argument that I made was, do you remember Men in Black 3? <laughs> right on. So the character that I like, could see in the future, but then all of the possibilities Yeah, like, the one where he's, like, at the end of the movie, he's, like, oh, shoot, I hope this isn't the one where he forgets the tip, and then he cringes, and the dude runs back and puts the tip in, like, I compared that to God, of, like, God knows every single outcome, regardless of what option you chose, and, like, because he allows free will, he knows, like, you can choose X amount of options, and he knows every single path you could take, and that was my thought process and justification at the time, Hmm. and, you know, uh, kind of kept god innocent from evil by saying like he allows free will and it's like i don't know because i'm also just thinking of uh just remembering a time that my sister after she had left the faith uh and of course me never letting that die uh having a conversation with her and she was like she pulled the verse of like god being a jealous god and she's like how can god be jealous if jealousy is a sin and like i texted my pastor and like a few hours later, like came back with my retort that I was so proud of. And like God's jealousy is different because like he's longing for something
0: better for you. And I'm
1: just like, okay, but that's still
0: jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. So no, just, that's interesting, man. Like your answer too. like, depending on where you took it, it sounds like a good open theist argument because so within the realm of open theism, um, based off science, uh, basically we can say that the future doesn't exist Um, the future isn't there to be known and so god is quote all knowing but god can't know things that don't exist and so the future doesn't yet exist to be known this is my theology now or open and relational theology the future is genuinely open god only knows the future as a set of possibilities and probabilities um because people have genuine freedom and that creatures genuinely influence the course of history um and so like that idea was helpful me for me as well because then i was like okay well yeah great like if if the future is genuinely open and god doesn't for you know foreknowledge doesn't work there because if even if you have free will if god foreknows everything that's going to happen. God can't lie. God can't be wrong about something. So even if you believe that you have a free choice to do something and God already knew the choice you were going to make, that choice is set in stone. So are you really free? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Foreknowledge makes no sense. If you believe in free will, foreknowledge within the Christian faith makes zero sense. It doesn't work. (laughs) And that, you you know, that's,
1: that's damn, I've, I've never, that's new to me. I've never heard that, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well then would you say you see God as someone or something who is more so
0: reactionary
1: than, than proactive? Like as things happen,
0: That is God a, reacts? Yeah. Fantastic question. I would answer yes. I would say that for me, uh, the God that I believe in is a God who is fully present in and through all things at all moments of time. The Christian word for that is I'm the present. Um, God is present in and through all things always. And God is constantly always working to bring about the most good, the most love, the most beautiful thing possible in any given moment. But God, because God is loving, essentially loving, necessarily loving, God is non-coercive. So God never controls or coerces people to bring about God's will, but rather invites people Participate in the flow of love, goodness, beauty, whatever language you like. And so, God is all knowing in the sense that God knows every possible thing there is to know in each moment. But God is learning, God learns in each moment as humans who genuinely are free make decisions and choices. And so, as you and I are talking, like, God is learning in each moment as we go. The words and the choices that Josh made. Now God had a pretty good understanding of here's the percentages that Josh is going to say this word next, or that Josh was going to say fuck in this conversation, like is a ninety nine percent chance. <laughs> um, and so, like God, it's it's not that God is dumb. God is still all knowing, the most you know, but God is constantly learning. And so, God, mm-hmm. yes, is reactionary, but not in the sense that like God is somehow lesser because God still knows all that there is to know, but is constantly learning. So it's almost as if like if you were in the woods and you're a little kid and you're walking through the woods at nighttime and the person that you're walking with is an adult and they have a flashlight and they can kind of see further in front of them that you can. And they're kind of guiding you. It's almost like that, where God isn't completely clueless because God knows the future as a realm of possibilities. And, you know, down to the very last percentage chance of like, Joey's, you know, you have the choice, Joey, of today I'm going to wear my uh, green shirt that I own or I'm going to wear the blue shirt that I own. God has a pretty good understanding of which one you're going to choose, but doesn't actually know the answer until you choose it. Um, <laughs> So it's like God is responding with creation, and inviting creation to participate with the God self, um, which then again for me that gets God off the hook for evil because people can choose not to participate in that uh, flow of love and good and 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 beauty, um, but can rather choose to, you know, middle fingers up kind of <laughs> kind of thing. So that's that's like that's kind of where I'm at that's I that's really interesting I guess that's
1: kind of brings up another thing which you kind of hinted at I'm just like sure a god God that I don't believe in or or something that disgusts me with faith like I'm just thinking like the church circles I had growing up how they would have completely rejected almost everything you said (laughs) yes and how they would completely reject almost all of our lifestyle choices and I'd like to Take a, a wild stab and say you and I are decent dudes, uh, live decent lives, uh, like may make decisions that aren't fully in line with uh, biblical values. I'm making incredible air quotes for those who don't Beautiful. have visual hair. The
0: best air quotes, all the best air quotes. Joey is the best. <laughs> Grammy nominated twice, never got it though. Right. Hands are too small. But, I, exactly. Uh, and I voted for you every time. And the only reason you lost was fraud. Voter that's why you know, if
1: God was real, I would. I would <laughs> I'm gonna stop. You would but, uh, have
0: won if God was real. Yeah, amen. <laughs> but um, but yeah, just like,
1: and it's not just like me saying like I'm trying to find a belief that, or like trying to find a christianity that conforms to my beliefs, or I'm trying to put God in my perspective, because that's right. not what I'm getting at. but I'm like, when I'm thinking just like Christians being so unreceptive mm-hmm. and like just not even willing to listen to things such as small as a denominational difference to his as biggest as predestination versus free will and like just there's such a heavy divide over the same fucking book yeah. and like uh again like the the group chat that i'm in of internet friends who love jesus and metal and, and then there's me uh a lot of them have very different spiritual backgrounds, spiritual upbringings, and uh places of their faith. And sometimes like seeing them like absolutely like being unwilling to empathize and so die hard on their beliefs. And just like sometimes it gets to the point of like, okay, you can be right, but you're an asshole stop. Yeah. Like <laughs> and like, I don't know, just like my whole life. it it started with christian metal and everyone's like that can't be christian i was like did you read the lyrics or then uh my appearance and they're like well tattoos are are satanic it's like jesus probably has one if you read that scripture from revelation (laughs) Uh, and like just everything and just like well that isn't christianity like i remember one week in my uh my lesson at the middle school youth group uh, of course i had to make my altar call at the end because uh church is often a business that follows the same fucking structure every time and so you know you had to make your altar call in case that's the week there's someone there (laughs) and uh, me being me was very very passionate very gung-ho about the message driving home at point and I said something it's like Jesus freaking loves you just said freaking didn't I I held back because I was working with children and like uh, one of the uh, middle schooler's moms was also a leader there, and she didn't complain to me, but she complained to Jeremy, the head leader, about it, and like ripped me a new one to him about like how I'm giving a terrible example to the kids, how like Christians should never have such foul language, and like I didn't even swear, and like I don't know, just like seeing how close-minded and limiting Christianity is, and then how much infighting there is. I was like, why would I want to associate with a faith that is having such an identity crisis across the board?
0: Yeah. Well, dude, like, we're so much on the same page with that. I mean, 100%. Like, that's the, the point, the reason behind my podcast is to introduce people to, like, these wide variety, you know, perspectives and, like... um. I mean, also too, like the the swearing thing is so funny because like I I remember when I worked at this Methodist church, I preached a sermon and I said that Jesus was pissed off and the organ player at the church got up and left and then told the head pastor, if this is the direction the church is going in, then I don't want to be a part of it. And so it's like completely missing the idea and the point. And like one of the major issues that I, I take and I think we're coming into similar... Uh, agreement here again to find a place of um, similarity is that this organization this thing that was supposed to uh, bring about these uh, people that looked and acted and behaved like Jesus instead what it did was like it was very transactionary and never transformative Mm -hmm. and like you have this group of people that are trying to tell you that they have all the answers and that you have to listen to them and if you don't you're going to go to hell but then you actually look and observe them and they're all fucking arguing over stupid shit all the time like hey can a woman be a pastor (laughs) yes why not like or stupid stuff like does god love gay people yes of course like so it's just silly and it becomes tiresome and like I haven't said this publicly on this podcast, but like, I've been really struggling recently with guests where like, before I used to really try to push and promote certain things. Like, um, of course, you know, being gay is okay. Of course, women should be pastors. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Um, But then I've just gotten to a point once I stepped away from the church that I was like, realized I'm putting all this energy and time and effort into arguing something that like, people outside of the walls are already on board with and they're Mm -hmm. looking at the church and laughing like why are you guys still arguing about this stupid stuff like one of the things that has blown my mind the most is the amount of grace and love and freedom and acceptance that I have found working in a bar that was never present um at least not to the same extent in Mm -hmm. the church world (laughs) yeah you know as you're working in the,
1: the den of thieves they probably call it
0: yes the den of thieves
1: or vipers or whatever
0: yeah the the you brood of vipers the the drunkards um, <laughs> but also what you're talking about too is um what i or others i'm stealing this language i would refer to as the sin of certainty um that there was there's this just in some specific christian circles because again i think Something I'd want to point out, and just to be fair about, is a lot of what you and I are talking about, and it, it's only because this is the context that we were raised and grew up in, is specifically conservative evangelical Christianity within America. Mm-hmm. Like that seem, that's like the thing that I always have to remember. Like I've been caught out a couple of times, especially recently by a guest named Gabriel Gordon, and I was like, well, most Christians do this. And he was like, Josh, stop, false. Most Christians don't do that. White evangelical conservative Christians in America do that. And so like mm-hmm. so many of my critiques were just leveled against that. Um, but for me, and I, I, I guess too, just for sake of time, cause we're, I mean, I'd be down to continue this for 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> the thing for me that keeps me coming back is the person of Jesus. Like, I've questioned everything, dude. Like, I don't believe hell is a thing. Eternal conscious torment. I'm not there. Um, I think being, like, I'm LGBTQ affirming, uh, trans affirming, whatever. Women should be pastors. Uh, Black people don't suck. Like, you name it. Like, I've gone there. Um, Open and relational, which is like, oh, that's heresy, depending on who you talk to. And then don't get me started about process theology. Like, that's a whole nother level. But regardless of where I stand or where I come to or what I believe or don't believe, um, because to steal a phrase from Rachel Held Evans, it's like on a good day I believe in God. (laughs) On a Mm -hmm. good day, this person, Jesus, the person, like historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, something about his teachings keeps me hanging around. And so I was interested from your perspective now as like someone who identifies as atheist slash agnostic, do the teachings of the historical person, Jesus, you know, ignore the theological arguments of Jesus is God or Jesus is this, died and resurrected, whatever, forget all of that kind of stuff. Is there anything still appealing to you about the person of Jesus? And does that influence anything uh, you do today?
1: Uh I, I mean, you, you probably just, I, yes, it's, it's weird for me. Cause like I've mentioned, I'm just so far removed from the faith yeah. that, uh, I don't picture them as uh teaching of Jesus. I just picture them as like, if they're good, it's good things to do. Like, uh, I, like I want to be as loving of a person that I can be, which like, yes, you, that can be attributed to a teaching of Jesus also just human decency like yeah uh or like try to extend as much grace and forgiveness as i can that's a teaching of jesus also human decency like it's you could almost argue them almost like humanistic i guess
0: yeah sure like, like a humanist perspective absolutely
1: yeah like I, I i don't the teachings of jesus i don't necessarily see them as a bad thing uh like when taking a face value, just like love your neighbor, uh do unto one other as that you want them to do to you, things like that. I mean, I still have the fruits of the spirit tattooed on me. I'm not getting that covered up, a because it'd be pain in the ass if It's on my ribs and it's massive. But B, <laughs> like it's it's there's still good attributes. Like uh even like as an atheist, I can still be faithful, which is what am I faithful to? It's different for me than it would be for you. Sure. But like sure love joy peace still try to have all those like so i guess to answer your question uh yes jesus's teachings still are important to me
0: but i don't
1: attribute them necessarily to jesus sure
0: no dude i i i think that's a solid answer and i love it i think um i think for me like um I've been personally interested in, like, what is referred to often as like perennial philosophy or perennial thought, which some people critique. For example, my good buddy Dan uh, has a critique of these kind of things: perennial faith or perennial philosophy. That it's like uh, colonistic in nature, or like has like a colonizer kind of vibe to it. But essentially, it's the understanding of like how can you look at all these different faith traditions and see where they're saying or talking about the same thing. And where they're saying or talking about the same thing, that's probably a good thing <laughs> to latch on to. And so like, there's ways of saying the same thing within different um, you know, perspectives. Um, and so like, that's something that I kind of cling to. And for me, I've been, it's, man, I don't even know how to explain it. And I, I haven't really fully articulated these thoughts, at least not publicly. Um, but it's like, I'm in such a weird space now, where I'm, I don't know what I believe on a good day. Um, but I'm hanging on to this dude called Jesus, and also to the experiences that I have through contemplative practice and centering prayer. Um but then it's like after that i just i don't know but there's these perennial philosophies or perennial traditions that you know christians muslims atheists jews whatever all kind of hold in common and i'm more interested in focusing on those things and the things that separate and divide people mm-hmm. and i'm at a point in my faith where um i don't so I already said, I don't believe in hell for sure. Um, and I'm like a hopeful universalist is I guess what I'd be labeled because of my open and relational bent. I can't say that at the end of the day, all people go to heaven, whatever the fuck that means. Cause I don't even know what that means. Um, it, because like in order to be open and relational, I have to say God's non-coercive. And if God's non-coercive, then if people specifically choose not to embrace God, then God grants them that freedom. But then at the end of the day, I'm not even sure that asking the question is going to heaven when you die. I don't even think that's the right question to ask. I think that misses the point. Um, I think more so if we apply Jesus as a wisdom teacher, which he was um, among other things, like Jesus's teachings are more so about a better way to be human a way to live in the here and now and I'm more interested in because Jesus talked about like the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven which wasn't something that exists when you to go when you die because they didn't really have that concept yet but it was more so like the kingdom of God is at hand the kingdom of God is within you you know be transformed by the renewing of your mind put on the eyes of Christ so it's like in what ways can I live now that resembles the life of Jesus? That's a better way to be human. Like I'm more interested in that. Um, And I, quite frankly, I don't know what happens when I die. Maybe I die and that's it. But at least with the wisdom teachings that I find, I can live a life in the here and now uh, that has eternal qualities uh, because it makes a lasting impact for all Mm -hmm. of creation. Um, so I don't know. I I don't, I don't know what the fuck I believe, Joey, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, (laughs) I guess that's that's, nothing we can agree on because I don't either. Yeah, but I, I, I find this guy, Jesus appealing, and I know I've encountered something deeper and bigger than myself that the best word I have for it or that I can describe is love. Um, and that's kind of where I hang my hat currently and part of why I want to have this conversation with you uh, because selfishly I wanted to see too like okay Joey's like taking a step and has fully said like yeah atheist slash agnostic I'm not willing to go there yet just because I'd have to deny experience and I'm going to have a hard time doing that Um, but at the end of the day I don't I don't know (laughs) (laughs) so I think like conversations like this are super helpful Uh, so I'm again I'm super thankful for your time and willingness to hang out and talk about whatever <laughs> yeah no thanks for
1: having me it, it was a lot of fun it was really really cool for me I've, you brought up a lot of uh points that I, I'd never heard of or the, uh theories theologies that uh really fascinated me you know, will I look into them more we'll see uh <laughs> but like in the here and now I enjoyed hearing about them
0: yeah most definitely dude well there's no pressure again there's no uh I know there's people out there who are like, Oh, I'm going to talk to my atheist friend. And, but I really have this secret agenda. Like there's no agenda. There's no secret, whatever. Like I'm just purely interested because uh, just the parallels are so similar in our stories. Mm. And um, it's just interesting to see like how people experience similar things differently and how they respond differently and like what aspects play into this or that or whatever um and it's just i think i think there's something to learning and hearing and knowing the stories of other people that in itself is unifying regardless mm-hmm. of what the cl- conclusions are um, because once you have a relationship with somebody then things that are so silly like doctrine or beliefs or whatever tend to fade away because the relationship is what matters it's not these outside dare i say arbitrary things so i appreciate conversations like this um so yeah that's probably too sappy for you and i know we haven't (laughs) hung out in a super long time and now you're just like dude josh is fucking weird Um, yeah probably block (laughs) a number after that absolutely you should you should um but (laughs) anyways that's a long way of saying thank you for your time, thanks for hanging out. Um, I'd love to have you back sometime. Um, it'd be a ton of fun, and I wish you the best of luck in selling fire pits that are <laughs> gas powered.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, thank you, thank you, and uh uh best of luck to you and uh pouring alcohol for people and whatever uh entails in a brewery. Clearly, I've never been to one, but uh Uh, All the things that you do, uh, do them damn well.
0: (laughs) do man, right on. Uh, And Listeners, thank you so much for hanging out. Hopefully you found this conversation helpful to you. I know I say this all the time on this podcast, Joey, but one thing that has always stuck with me uh, is from a guest we had named Rob Bell. Perhaps you've heard of him. Um, Christians, you know, unanimously hated him after he came out with a book called Love Wins. Um, But Rob shared this idea that there's an an invitation in life to share your story but to share your story in such a way that is deep enough that other people find themselves in your story and I just have never been able to let go of that idea and I think that's so beautiful and today I think that that was accomplished hopefully Uh, listeners were able to find themselves in your story because you were willing to put yourself out there Um, and hopefully to the same extent listeners, if you more identify with myself and my story hopefully you're able to find yourself there too Um, and know that we're all in this together and yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles I don't know, I never know how to end these things that's what Marty (laughs) was for So, (laughs) but Peace and love, guys. Uh, Have a great rest of whatever it is that you're doing. Much love.